if you can kind of just put that ego to the side and prepare to fail and embrace failing. And in relation to writing on LinkedIn and making LinkedIn work for you, if you can just see a post as just a test, then your whole viewpoint on it is just going to be completely different as to like, I need to post this to get a lead or I need to post this to get something. big episode today. We're joined by Matt Barker of LinkedIn fame. We're going to dig into what you should be doing today to optimize your posting, e.g. your hook. That's the biggest opportunity for more attention. But then also what you need to do on your profile in order to take that attention that you get with the post and convert that into whatever CTA you are looking to promote. But before we get into that, we have to give a massive shout out to our sponsor, Hockey Stack. Now, these guys absolutely crushing it on LinkedIn. I would recommend just Googling Hockey Stack, going to the website, check it out, obviously, but then go to their LinkedIn page, go follow the founders slash employees on LinkedIn. And then once you have that, you'll just see them on your feed all the time. It's almost like a masterclass in how to get attention pretty much for free on LinkedIn. So even if you're not interested in next level attribution for your B2B software company, you want to go and check these guys out to see what they're doing regarding their own B2B marketing. That's hockeystack.com. Go check them out right now. And let's jump into this episode with Matt. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So LinkedIn seems to be blowing up for you. Would you agree? Yeah, no, it has been. It's been a bit of a whirlwind, kind of 12, 14 months, really. Yeah, I started writing... What was it January last year? And yeah, it's just been going with it, seeing where it goes. And it's, yeah, it's really transformed my life in a way, really. And that's exactly what I want to dig into today. So both the, I'm going to start with writing. Because you mentioned that you started writing like 12, 13 months ago, but that's probably just starting writing on LinkedIn, right? You must have been a good writer, I'm assuming, prior to that, but we'll, we'll get into that later. <laughs> yeah. So I'll start with writing, and then I want to move to LinkedIn. And then I also want to spend a bit of time talking about the business that you're building. Does that make sense? Yeah, that sounds good. Cool. So I thought in your on your LinkedIn profile that you had like eight years working at this company somewhere in the UK and you went from like customer service person through to running a brand. What I'm trying to dig into here is how did you get like so good at writing that you could like then just come to LinkedIn and blow it up in 12 months? <laughs> yeah, funnily enough, the, I didn't, I knew nothing about copywriting prior to last January. I always enjoyed the kind of creative side of writing at school, like in high school, kind of doing rewrites of chapters of Frankenstein and alternative beginnings to mice and men and stuff like that. But yeah, I was in marketing for about eight or 10 years. And, you know, in terms of copywriting, I think copywriting is, I would say it's largely marketing. And if you've kind of got that marketing knowledge, then it really puts you in quite a good position when you actually start writing, if you can kind of understand the kind of nuances of marketing, like psychology and general kind of like headlines and stuff like that. You build the marketing expertise during those eight years, but I assume you're probably also writing a lot as part of the role. Yeah, you know, I was still writing email newsletters, product descriptions in catalogs and landing pages for promotions that we'd be running. So the business I worked for was a garden retailer and they had an online presence. They were pretty old school, so they had like catalogs and they did direct mail as well. So yeah, there was a lot of sales writing for that. But I never considered it as kind of copyright. I, I never, I just didn't understand about, I didn't know it was copywriting. And then how did you learn about the term copywriting? Did you like stumble upon like a course or something? No, it was as I kind of progressed through my career, I kind of knew about copywriting. And as I was 
as I became brand manager of the company I worked for, we had sort of two or three freelance copywriters who would pick up copy and write copy for some of the products that we sold. And that was actually the first gig I got when I went freelance to work for that company, writing product copy for them. So that was kind of how I started kind of getting into the kind of copywriting side of things and kind of learning how to sales copyright. Got it. So you switched from running the brand to being doing freelance copy. Yeah. So I was running that brand up until probably about, it was a few years ago now. And then I moved to London, worked for another company for a couple of years in B2B. And then it was end of 2021 when I quit that kind of London corporate life and me and my girlfriend decided to move to Cyprus. And that's when we, I started kind of trying to go freelance and make it that way. Makes total sense. So for anyone listening that wants to improve their writing skills, what would you recommend? The way that I learned how to copyright for LinkedIn specifically, and I think I don't think I, I don't put myself in the category as an amazing copywriter, but I've, I've learned how to write copy for LinkedIn specifically very well and kind of committed a lot of time to it. And for me, that learning how to do that well was consuming content on LinkedIn. And we're fortunate enough however you look at it, to live in a time where creators benefit from sharing their knowledge with other people for free. So you can, there's just so much you can learn online and specifically on LinkedIn, like people like Eddie Schlainer and Justin Welsh and other creators who really talk about copywriting and how to do it well on their profile. There's just so much information there for free that if you just take 10, 15 minutes to learn, read what they're telling you, apply it to something in real time and just test it in real life and get feedback. It's just the power of that is just just incredible. And I'm learning that more and more and that being able to take an idea and turn it into something real in front of a lot of people quickly is probably been a bit of a a kind of underrated secret to kind of growing, I guess. Makes sense. So we're doing the freelance product copy for the whole company and you have the other role in B2B. What was the trigger for you to be like, look, I want to stop doing this and I want to teach people how to write on LinkedIn? So like I said, it, I was freelance copywriting for my old company in October. I'd done that for about two or three months. And then it was, I've posted about this before and I've talked about it a bit, but there was this kind of anticlimactic epiphany moment on a hungover drive back to London on New Year's Day where I was kind of feeling a bit frustrated. My girlfriend was in the passenger seat and I was feeling a bit frustrated. And I said, you know, I just want to start building something for myself. I want to start building my own company. I want to do something, but I just don't know what. And I was saying to her, I don't know what to make. This business in my mind at that point was, I make something and sell it. It wasn't like providing a service or anything like that. So it just, like, I just, it just hadn't even crossed my mind that that was something I could do. And she just said, well, why don't you just do your copywriting? And it was just weirdly obvious and really anticlimactic. But I, it was just that, yeah, kind of a weird anticlimactic epiphany moment where I was just like, okay, yeah, that probably just makes sense. Like I've been doing this. I've kind of, I've got a reference now in the last sort of two or three months, which I can kind of point towards. And coming from that kind of marketing background, I knew that I had to promote myself somehow and kind of get my name out there. So the only social media site that I was really on, which had a kind of network of professionals was LinkedIn. So uh, naturally, I just thought I'll go to there and and start kind of posting the classic, like, I'm open to work, like I'm looking for clients, that sort of stuff. But obviously, just early on, it's just crickets because you you have nothing to say, like, well, why why should I work with you? And 
that was the kind of that was the the moment really. And those those clients are like different from the clients that you work with today, right? So they were other businesses that would just want, I guess, general copywriting. And now you're specifically ghostwriting for like X persona. Yeah. So my first sort of two clients were so one of them was actually I think she was a freelance copywriter and she would offer sort of blogs, multi-channel content and. She was the first client I got and I wrote two blog pieces for her. And I think I got, I was charging £35 an hour and one, I think it was a 500 word blog. And that would take me about an hour and a half or two hours to write. So, you know, making £70 in two hours, I was like, wow, this is like, this is just transformational. Like I can, I can make this and if I get better and better, then you know, it's where it can go. And yeah, so that was my first client. And second client was writing email copy for a what were they, a B2B brand who were launching a new subscription offer. So yeah, it varied to start with and there was a lot of cold outreach. And then yeah, as I kind of, as I was writing content and as I was talking to people and networking with people, I would kind of, I'd pick up the odd blog piece to write for someone. And over time and over the next sort of few months, the more attention I was getting was to ask me to write LinkedIn content for them. So that was just actually the pathway I took. And after sort of, I would review the content I was putting out and look at the demographics of the people who were reading it and engaging with it. And the people that I was targeting for my copywriting services in January was small marketing teams who don't have the resource to write copy. But I was like all copy <laughs> to start with. And I just didn't know. And it all of it eventually just narrowed down into Again, after seeing who was engaging with me and that sort of thing and who was reaching out, it was founders of business, businesses, B2B businesses who wanted LinkedIn content. So I just followed the what what I was getting from LinkedIn, really. Yeah, it's a great niching down story, isn't it? From copy for on any platform for anyone in any industry to copy on LinkedIn for B2B or agency founders um, of a certain size. I think that's a really nice flow. Yeah. I hear of a lot of people who are creators writing on LinkedIn and their service or what they do is nothing to do with ghostwriting, but they still get people asking them to ghostwrite for them and write LinkedIn content for them. So I don't think I'm anything particularly special in that sense that I've kind of specifically kind of wanted to dial into that ghostwriting niche. It's just for me, I didn't have that direction. And then seeing what was being given, that was just the heat that I followed. And yeah, makes sense. So now let's like introduce the LinkedIn part. So I assume you were, you had a few freelance clients and then you were posting stuff to promote to ideally get clients. I guess this is when you started really learning about like the LinkedIn algorithm and how to optimize your profile and like what content to write. Yeah, I guess so. There was a turning point around March or April, I think, where I committed, I bought Justin Welch's, what was it? The content OS course, I think, which everyone seemed to be buying at the time and everyone was raving about it and. For me at the time, that was I think it was a hundred pound, and that was it felt like quite a big investment for me. And I thought, but if I if this looked like it was promising, and if if I can just learn how to write a bit better, specifically for LinkedIn, and then I think this is going to be really, obviously worth the investment that I make. So yeah, from there I, I really started learning about hooks and making sure that that first line on the feed is has all these things like numbers, stats, words that trigger emotions is calling out a specific person and kind of that making sure that hook was the best kind of piece of copy that I could write and it was getting people to click to see more. And then from there, learning about how you kind of deliver value underneath and kind of teach people and then entertain, educate, 
and all these different sort of styles of reaction that you can gain out of people, like motivating them, inspiring them and that sort of thing. So it was a big learning process. And I was never one to, I mean, everyone's, they don't try and game the algorithm, but you kind of just end up, you kind of just do just by the way you write and the content you produce because you see what's doing well and you think, okay, well, I'll do more of that. And obviously that's just feeding into what the algorithm is telling you. So I never had that kind of consciously on my mind, like I need to figure out the algorithm, I need to figure it out. But it was more just kind of following the signals from what was getting the most views and what was what happened when I'd done this. There was a lot of failing, which I think there's a, I talk about it a lot as well, the kind of, there's a big thing around kind of people's egos. And I think that gets in the way of, of growth a lot of the time. And if you can kind of just put that ego to the side and prepare to fail and, and embrace failing and see like, in relation to writing on LinkedIn and making LinkedIn work for you, if you can just see something, a post, for example, as just a test, then your whole viewpoint on it is just going to be completely different as to like, I need to post this to get a lead or I need to post this to get something. Yeah. So having, having that mindset was quite helpful. <laughs> so if someone is looking to get more attention on LinkedIn, Regarding the posts, are you saying that the most important thing they can do is look to optimize the hook, which is basically the first one or two lines of the post? Yeah, in terms of your content, it's, it's definitely the most important line. If someone's scrolling their feed, it's the first and the only line that, that someone sees when you pop up. So that line has to be great, basically. And you gave a couple of insights just now, but I'd like to dig into this a bit more about like what makes the ideal hook. So there's numbers. It has to, it, pretty much all of the best hooks or the most viewed hooks that are, or posts that I've written, all the hooks include a number, which when you include a number, it gives a signal to the kind of human brain as to like how much value there is below that fold. So if it's like one tip versus like 10 tips, then it's a signal that like, well, that like, there's going to be a lot of value if I commit, if I give this person my time and click see more. And then stuff around like the word choice that you can use. So my, my computer background is is a word wheel, which has a, which is kind of split by five, six different emotions. You've probably seen it if it's done the rounds on LinkedIn quite a few times, but that really helps with kind of resonating with a reader's emotions and within that kind of split second, because that's how you really capture someone. So whether it's creating a kind of optimistic view of what the post is going to be when they click see more, like, uh, or if it's going to be like exciting, so you use the words like shocking or like amazing or like interesting or weird or something like that. As you kind of figure out that different words generate a different emotion, you can kind of play around with those words. So it starts to form this kind of like X number of something weird, something lessons about blah, 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 blah. And then that blah, 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 blah section after the kind of value, the, like the number of the number, the value, the emotion. After that bit, for me, I would always try and relate it to a pain point that either my reader or my customer was experiencing. So for example, a lot of the stuff I write on LinkedIn is, like you said, kind of teaching beginners how to start writing on LinkedIn. And one of the big things that people struggle with is writing hooks and, you know, that kind of fear of opinion. So for example, for the pain point of a fear of opinion, it would be something like five simple tips to write LinkedIn posts without worrying about what your boss thinks of you or something like that. And then in that instance, it, it gives you like everything you need to know about what that post is going to be just in that one line. So you kind of have to see that one line as like a trailer, for example. So like when you see 
a movie trailer on TV, it gives you all of the kind of juicy bits to entice you enough to click to go and watch it. It's the same with the hook on LinkedIn, really. So we're taught we need numbers, we need an emotion, and then we need an understanding of the pain points and maybe an addressing pain points. Would you say that's, that's a good hook formula? Yeah. And also a kind of weird one is generally under six words. Okay. I think just because if you go over sort of 10, 15 words and it get, it just becomes a bit long and a bit difficult to read. But if you can kind of get that, if you can get the readers, if you can get the whole thing into the reader's mind within like 0.2 seconds instead of like 0.5 seconds, then it's just quicker enough to get them in. So yeah, under six words is a weirdly common stat. Got it. And also, if you want to get a specific person to come in and read that, call them out in the hook. So for example, like the example I said just then, so six simple tips to write LinkedIn posts without your boss worrying or whatever it was. If you just put four, four founders, four marketers in that, then when they read that, they're going to feel like it's specifically for them. So the more specific you can get in your hook, the better. Got it. Sounds complicated when when you sort of say it like that, but once you practice, 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 and then kind of start trying things out, then and it becomes quite fun. So that's the regarding posting, probably the most important thing for someone to do if they want to optimize posting. The other thing I wanted to cover is profile. I know you had a post recently about how you've optimized your profile. So if a listener wanted to improve their LinkedIn profile by doing one or two things, what would you recommend? For me, the first I've tested this before and kind of clicked on people's profiles and. Typically, the first thing that people see is your profile picture. It's not actually the banner. It's the profile picture. Then it's either the, then it's the banner, I think. And then it's anything else underneath that. So just making sure you have a really clear and strong profile picture actually goes a really long way. And there's another thing involved in that, in the kind of emotion that you want people to feel when they see you. So if you have like a straight face, then it builds, I can't remember all the emotions, but you know, if you have a straight face, if you're looking at the camera, if you're looking away from the camera, if you're smiling, if you're in a kind of natural scenario, it makes someone feel differently when they see you. Your profile picture right now, I would say is not smiling, it's like quite straight faced. So we'll link to all the math stuff below if you want to go and check this out. But it's like a white, it's black and white, you're wearing a white t-shirt, there's a white background. And then you have like quite a straight face. And then there's, you have like a shadow behind you. Is all of that strategic? It actually wasn't to start, because that was the only picture that I, I took. And I think that was literally in January or February last year. It wasn't really strategic. I'm just personally, I'm not much of a like big smiler and kind of over enthusiastic person. I live pretty comfortably in being that kind of like deadpan, like kind of straight faced area. So I felt like that generally just kind of represented me quite well. And the content I put out is pretty black and white. It's kind of no nonsense. And as I've kind of gone along, it's all kind of tied together. Got it. So it's almost like so the other thing for people listening is that Matt's banner image is all white. So it blends very nicely into the LinkedIn page. So Matt, what I think you're saying is that you need to think about or try to incorporate your whole LinkedIn existence and align that with a brand or at least that's what you've done. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, for me, it, like you put content out there with the intention for me anyway, with the intention of someone to think, I like what this guy posts. And then they click on me to find out more about me. So they click on my profile. If they click on my profile and then they see, oh, this didn't represent anything that I just read in the post, then they're probably going to start second guessing it and think, mm, should I follow? This isn't what I thought the 
person was behind the content. So having that cohesion between the content you're putting out and everything you're signaling on your profile is important. Any kind of marketer or brand strategist would tell you that that having consistency throughout everything you do is really important. And if you look on my website, it's there's some blue. And if you look on some landing pages I have, there's different fonts and stuff. So I'm not the kind of the, the poster child of consistency. But yeah, I think having your LinkedIn profile as kind of one cohesive unit. Yeah, I think that's important. And then let's quickly touch on tagline. I know you changed that recently. Yeah. So for me, I've been working with a guy called Ken Yarmush, who's been helping me kind of, I guess, dial in on my service offer and help me yeah, with my positioning and not kind of pigeonhole myself too much. So before I had a very, very specific tagline, which called out specifically that I do LinkedIn ghostwriting for B2B service marketing agency owners who are too busy to write. That was great. But for me now, yes, I still ghostwrite for people, for founders. And I have some fairly specific criteria around that about who I think I can help the most and get the best results for and and who are going to be ready to kind of work with me. But equally, I want to grow my profile and I have goals around the kind of creator side, which I want to kind of drive towards. So having that kind of banner, which is just LinkedIn ghostwriting to get leads, not views, it says enough about me and my content without putting certain people off. Yeah, I think that's a very smart move. So shout out to your guy. <laughs> Let's transition then more onto the business side. So right now, the I believe the model is you take on X amount of clients, they pay you every month and you write their LinkedIn posts. Is that right? Yeah, so I, I ghostwrite for them on a monthly retainer. Cool. And I guess there's an upper limit to how many clients you can have. Yeah, there is. Me personally, I'm kind of, I'm doing it all myself and that wouldn't be for everyone. But for me, that it kind of works quite well. And yeah, there's definitely a cap to it. And that's something that I've been pretty, I've actually been pretty strict with myself. And, and I only really work with four or five people at a time. And yeah, that has its cap to it. But I'd rather have four or five clients that I can serve really well and know that I'm doing because, you know, I view myself as the product. So I want my clients to get me, I don't want to take them on and then just be the face, do the sales calls, get them on and, and then just get a kind of a writer off Upwork for like $5 a, an hour to get to write these posts because, you know, the, people are paying decent money to for me to write for them and, and they like the way I write and they're bought into me. So I kind of respect that relationship and I want to, yeah, I like to, I, I prefer to do it all myself. So yeah, it does have, have its cap to it. Which helps with scarcity, right? To what extent have you been able to increase prices like double or triple since you started and have become more popular? Yeah, it does help with scarcity, Uninten- completely unintentionally, which is, I guess, is kind of, again, ended up going quite well. But yeah, I think I started ghostwriting specifically in June, I think. So it's been about nine months. I think in that time, I've probably ghostwritten for about nine people. And over the last six months, I've only taken on three new clients. So don't take on many clients very much. But when I first started, I was offering five posts a week for £500 a month, which was, yeah, not a lot. And I was actually really struggling to close deals when I was doing it at that price. <laughs> so that's how much posts? 500 divided by 20 per post, which it, off the top of my head is like £30. Yeah, something like that, which, which, you know, in isolation, it kind of sound like, would you pay £30 for a post if it was written well? Like, yeah, you, you probably would, but you'd actually probably be guessing like, is this really going to be worth it? Like, what am I actually going to get out of that post? So, it's kind of fair dues. So 
it was it kind of quickly came clear that there was a lot more to it and there was a lot more that i needed to kind of value that i needed to prove and that sort of thing and so yeah i started out offering it for 500 pound a month and then by october i had a client on for two and a half thousand a month so that pretty quickly went up and then in december i signed someone for three thousand a month and then yeah more recently i've been at three and a half thousand but now after kind of doing some work and looking at my kind of offer portfolio and got some things that I can talk about there. And, but I'm now shooting for 5,000 a month because I believe that I've kind of looked at the value that I've been bringing current clients and then what I've done before and what else is out there and what other, what kind of quality that other ghostwriters are providing. Not saying that they're not very good, but I'm definitely in the upper tier and, and there's people who are charging seven, eight, nine, ten, ten grand a month for some of this stuff. So, so I undershot on my doubling or tripling of rates. It was actually 10x over nine months. <laughs> it's yeah, it it has, yeah, it's 10x. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's been great and it's been such a massive learning curve. And building the offer out has been interesting. And a lot of it is positioning it to different people and being in the right market. So the two, like I guess, routes for scale, if you wanted to, I'm not saying that you do would either be to, I guess, have other people do the work or for you to convert this into some kind of information course. Have you considered those? Yeah, so I've considered hiring people to write for me, which I don't like, because again, I like I said, it, it, people kind of buy into me and, and the way I write. And yes, I could train people to, to write like me, but I think the way, the way I am and the way I live my life, I'm kind of happy just keeping that to myself for the moment. I think if I were to hire people, I would hire people to get ideas for posts and run more of the kind of admin stuff around it because you're getting a full service in terms of kind of content strategy, schedule management, a content system plugged into your business for your profile. It's not just writing posts and shipping them off to you. So there's a lot of thought that goes into it and a lot of kind of heavy lifting. So yeah, so more of that kind of doing stuff instead of thinking those activities I would probably hire out. But and in terms of an info product, yeah. So I did release one in start of February. So it's been around for about two months now, and that's gone really well. So a quick kind of brief description of it. It's called 30 Days of Proven LinkedIn Content. It's the idea is that it's a kind of a written course for solopreneurs, founders, freelancers, anyone who wants to start growing their LinkedIn profile, but they just kind of struggle getting the words on the page. They, they can't really put together a post. They don't really know what to write. In creating that, I thought back to kind of where I was 12 months ago and, and what that kind of thing was, what it was that helped really helped me get the gist of it and start writing. And for me, it was templates and kind of getting writing frameworks and stuff like that. So I created 30 templates based on posts that I've written over the last sort of 12 months at various stages throughout that as well. So there's posts that I've created templates from say like April last year, which I notice a, a kind of very friendly for people who want to write in any kind of niche it's not niche specific for copywriting or anything like that so the idea that it gives you a structure it gives you an idea it saves you time writing and it gives you that really easy barrier of entry just starting writing online and then there's some tips in there as well and also some other bonuses as well and yeah that's gone really well get some really good feedback so so we're going to link to everything. So we'll link to your LinkedIn profile, we'll link to the course, everything below if people want to check that out, obviously. Final question or final area I wanted to go into is like your current personal LinkedIn posting schedule and strategy. Are you posting daily? What kind of posts? How's it going? Yeah, so I kind of changed my strategy a bit toward in January. Before I was 
really hammering it about two times a day, maybe even three times a day. Yeah, I had a lot to say. And I was really kind of, once you get into that kind of zone of seeing a post that does really well, and then taking it and turning it into sort of five, 10 different types of posts, then you can kind of really crank some content out, but not particularly sustainable doing that much forever. And I think in the new year, it seemed like the kind of the algorithm was changing a bit and it's not so much favoring that kind of barrage of volume and more quality of content. So it should, because yeah, we want to see better content, not more of it. So that's a positive change. But for me personally, that my kind of content strategy has been around still trying to maintain some growth in terms of kind of my following and the creator side of my business, but also dropping in some kind of sales posts and some pitch posts. So for example, on a Monday or a Friday, I'll show a little, I'll do a kind of social proofy post of someone giving a testimonial about my email newsletter which when you sign up, you get a seven-day email course, which is essentially a trial run of, of the info product that I was talking about. So that's been working well in terms of driving sign-ups because it's making use of that, that social proof. So that's something that I'm making sure I do weekly to drive that. I've also started posting sort of once a week about the actual product itself, which has been driving some revenue because you can talk about something so much, but you think you're just talking about it all the time, but you're not. And people just don't know what you offer or what you do until you just have to keep repeating it because not everyone sees every post that you write and not everyone knows what you do and what you're offering right now. So you need to be kind of, in my opinion, you need to be talking about the stuff that you're doing weekly. Those two types of posts that I'm posting about to drive a bit of revenue from LinkedIn. And then otherwise, I've started posting on Twitter. So I'm writing some threads on Twitter and repurposing them as carousels on LinkedIn. They're the ones where you swipe and you see the next page. So they've been doing pretty well. And that's a good way for me to grow on LinkedIn, grow on Twitter at the same time as get some good traction on LinkedIn and write in a kind of longer form way. And short posts, short posts have been, I've noticed, still do really well. So there was a post that I wrote, I think last week or even earlier this week, it was basically just three lines and got sort of 500, 600 likes, which for me the at the moment is sort of fairly high for me because I'm being a bit more specific with my content. So. Yeah, I think just a good mix of content, long, short, visual is just the way to go, really. You need you do need to have that strategy in place to kind of follow and, and aim towards. So to close out then, let's just pick out the hook on the 500 like three line post from last week and see if it aligns with your rules. <laughs> I don't actually think it does. Let me try and find it. Let's have a look. So the hook was just not cool, colon, posting and no one comments. And then it was cool posting in someone comments and then nothing else matters cool posting in your dream client comments. Yes. I mean, I think it probably does align with your hook rule. Not cool, semicolon, posting in anyone comments. I guess it, it doesn't align with your rule, but it's definitely like a remarkable thing that if you see in the feed, you're going to be like, yeah, oh, what's this about? It's seven words. So it's almost there. Nice. Almost in the six word rule. All right, guys. Well, there we go. A LinkedIn a masterclass. As we said, Matt, we're going to link to your profile. We'll link to the website where people can sign up to the newsletter. We'll link to the product. And then I guess if people want to work with you, they'll just send you a DM, right? Yeah, send me a DM. I've just recently started offering coaching and editing services as part of my kind of ghostwriting package. So yeah, that's something we could talk about as well. <laughs> all right, here we go. Expanding. Matt, I want to thank you so much for coming on, sharing all the wisdom. It's been an awesome episode. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on, Tom. Really enjoyed it. 
All right, team, let's give a couple of shout outs then. So we've got to review the other day, a must listen for every marketer in the business. That's from JMM from the UK. Another one from Glusman is, it's unusual to hear about the actual results and lessons learned. Thank you so much, guys, for reviewing. If you have any feedback related to the show, please go to Apple Podcasts leave an honest rating and review. And if you do that, send me a screenshot and also send me the link or anything that you want me to promote for you. Send me on a DM on LinkedIn or send me an email, tom at fame.so and I'll get your shout out on the show. Of course, I want to thank Matt for coming on and being so generous. All his links will be below in the show notes. And of course, thank you for listening.